0: Wow how's it going so far isn't it cool what a praise team thank you guys thank you so much for for the work you're doing and the, and the beauty of the worship and I just want to say a couple of things to all the leaders here and I know a lot couldn't make it but even a lot more than that a lot are outside and inside trying to get some of the stuff done for the picnic as well and so when you when you get to see some of them today those of you who know who they are um, please just give them a nod Give them a pat on the back and thank him for the leadership. But also remember this, that as members of a church body, God has given you gifts too. And leaders, a leadership role is to develop leaders. Amen. All right? So be ready for that as well. I also want to thank all of you new members who uh, I know it's a little bit nerve-wracking coming to a, a whole new church body. Some of you not even knowing anybody here yet. And so I ask for the rest of us here, when you saw people stand up around you, my purpose in doing a Was that So you would be intentional about reaching out to them today, even before you leave, and just thanking them for becoming a part of this body. Would you do that, please? And new members, as you leave today, you are going to get a certificate, and uh, you're also going to get a prayer pillow from uh, Fabric of Faith and the Pillow Ministry, and and we'll give you that out when we do the dedication on your way out the back. Shelly Randell will be there. Uh, to help us with that as well. And I have one more thing that I I just need to say here. Um, I want to thank you, Stephen. Um, (laughs) Isn't he good? It's a young man who's just starting out in the ministry. And uh, I'm very proud to work with him, uh, to be his mentor. And just something else I think you should know. That guy puts a lot of time into his studies. And he is the only um, specific ministry pastor in all of the country who received a monetary award toward his tuition because of his hard work and his grades. And it shows. And I asked him for half of it, and he said no. But, <laughs> all right. <And laughs> I want to start off with a story. Um, It just took place a a few days ago, three days ago, just three days ago, a beautiful woman in our congregation gave me a phone call and asked me what it meant that a few weeks prior she had heard a voice as clear as a bell, say to her, you have one year left. She told me she believes it's the voice of God. I said, who am I to doubt that? I wasn't there. I mean, God speaks in mysterious ways. We know he speaks through his word, but sometimes in a voice, when we're open to it, we do hear it. But what she said was she wasn't quite sure what exactly God meant in telling her she had one year, one year left for what? One year left to spend with her husband, one year left to spend here at Good Shepherd enjoying all the people, all the fellowship, all the exceptional sermons. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or one year left to live. That's kind of where she landed. That's kind of where she landed, in thinking maybe that's what God was saying to me. And then she said this. She says, well, I guess if I have one more year to live, what do I do with that year? What do I do? She then asked me what I thought about all that. And <laughs> not you love questions like that? My answer was, I'd say thank you, God, for the blessing of letting me know. I've got another year. Because what else you got to do? (laughs) You say, thank you, God, for giving me time to spend with my family and my friends and and to share my faith and and my love and to prepare my heart to spend time with you, Jesus, to spend time in your word. You know, a lot of people never get that chance. They just die unexpectedly. Just like that, they get taken out car accident, a plane crash, that proverbial bus that hits you when you walk out the doors they'd like to talk about, you never know. But at least if you know, you can prepare. Some never get the chance. Have you ever asked yourself that question, though? Have you ever asked yourself that question? What would I do if I only had one year left to live? Maybe not. But I'll bet you'd be more inclined to if you'd hear the voice of God tell you that, wouldn't you? So why am I telling you this story today when I should be uh, really focusing on concluding our series on the book of Revelation and talking about Reformation Sunday when when Martin Luther took a stand that he did? I'm, I'm telling you this because I don't think anything happens by coincidence. And when she called me, I was working on this message. So my question was, God, how do you want to use this message that I just got in this message that I'm called to share? And it, what hit me was, was this, this woman who, who just a few weeks ago was faced with answering the question, what do I do with the time that I have left to live? It hit me that that phrase that I've shared with you before that I saw in a, had to be a church sign. When I was in Royal Oak, Michigan in 1992, a long time ago, it said, life is short and death is sure. And that saying became a reality for her. Reality. (laughs) And the people to whom the book of Revelation is addressed, they are all faced with the same question, and they hear it from the lips of Jesus himself. Because he's speaking to them personally through the Apostle John. And these people that he was writing to, that he was speaking to, they never knew when the end was going to come. They just knew it was going to be pretty soon. Because every day their friends and family and neighbors were were getting killed because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And they were crying. They had to be crying out, so what do we do, Jesus? What do we do with the time we have left? And He tells them. As we've discovered, as we've walked through the book of Revelation, He tells these people of these seven churches over and over again what to do. Well, this is that last series on the Book of Revelation. And without a doubt, it is the most misunderstood book in the Bible. It has to be. With all the different interpretations about things we've talked about, like what is the dragon and what is the beast and what does the number 666 really mean? Is it a pre-, post- or mid-tribulation that's going to happen? And what exactly is the rapture? And when is when are the last days going to happen? And what exactly is that, is that Armageddon, that battle between good and evil, and what's that really going to be like in the end? Well, something to know that is, is no matter... What any interpretation you may have about any of that stuff I just mentioned, none of that matters to salvation. Regardless of any interpretation you've ever heard from any TV evangelist, or from me from this pulpit, or you've read from a book on any of those particular things, there's only one thing in the book of Revelation to fully understand and accept as being true. And that is the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is the one thing, the one thing that God wanted to reveal to the people to whom he originally wrote those words to, 2,000 years ago. The one thing God reveals more clearly than anything else in this book, that no matter what happens in your life, no matter what kinds of problems you face in your life, No matter when you die, no matter how much time you have left, no matter when it ends, because it will. It will. For every single one of us. Know this is what is revealed. You have a Savior. And His name is Jesus. And what He did on that cross counts for you and forgives you. And his righteousness is your righteousness, not because of you, but just because of him and his love for you. And in the end, no matter what, everything is going to be okay, which of course is the title of the series that we're just concluding. Dear church, everything's going to be okay. The revelation in the book by the same name is the revelation of our Savior Jesus Christ. And that revelation was meant to be understood. And it was by the people to whom it was written. Yeah, it's filled with symbols, it's filled with numbers, it's filled with things that we don't understand, but they did, because it was written in their language, in a language in their culture, something that, that they could understand. And my approach throughout this series was to try to help us understand, too, how they heard it. To try to hear those words through their ears. So that's been our approach in this book, as we've looked at the seven letters to the seven main churches in Rome. And and if we look back at the church in Ephesus, Jesus is saying, In the time you got left, get reconnected to me, he's saying, because you forgot I love you. To the church in Smyrna, Jesus is saying, In the time you got left, be faithful to me, because it's only going to get tougher. To the church in Pergamum, Jesus is saying, repent and turn from your sins because I don't want to lose you. To the church in Thyatira, Jesus is saying, hold each other accountable because you have a witness to give with your life. To the church in Sardis, Jesus is saying, wake up because as long as you're breathing and believing, you got work to do. There are people out there who don't know what you know about Jesus. To the church in Philadelphia, Jesus is saying, don't give up. Keep holding on to the faith that you have in Jesus Christ. And to the very last church, the last letter, to the church in Laodicea, Jesus is saying, take a stand. So let's look at that and hear how he says that. Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. Beginning with verse 14, 14 it reads, To the angel of the church in Lyat, I see I write. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. It's a reference to Jesus himself. Know that I, Jesus, am speaking to you. That's what he's saying to him. He goes on to say, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. How would you like to hear Jesus say that to you? He's saying, pick a side. That's what it means to be in the world, but not of it. We're not going to we're not gonna escape the world till the Lord takes us. But while we're in it, take a side. The prince of the world or the king of the universe. He goes on to say in verse 17, you say, I am rich. I've acquired wealth. So it was a well-to-do people here. Do you not need a thing? But do you realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked? He's pretty blunt. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. That is a reference to the persecution of Jesus, to his suffering and his death so that you can become rich. And if you look at at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, you will find those words, those very words about Jesus. He goes on to say, you'll wear white clothes so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. And those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. It's one of my favorite lines in the Bible. Those whom I love, I rebuke. And discipline I love it so much I have it framed it's right underneath in my office it's right underneath the sword of Gabriel <laughs> Anyway, you're welcome to come in and see it sometime so be earnest and repent here I am I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come and eat with that person and they with me to the one who is victorious That doesn't mean you've been better than anybody else. It means you've been victorious in staying in the faith, remaining in faith in Jesus Christ. I will give the right to you then to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down on my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To this church in Laodicea, and I believe to every one of these churches, Jesus is saying... Pretty much the same thing. In the time you have left, take a stand. Take a stand. You know, this figuring out what we are to do with our lives with the time that we have left, however much or little that is, that isn't anything new. As we've been discovered in this series, 2,000 years ago, Jesus himself gave his disciples the answer to that question. 500 years ago, god himself gave martin luther the answer to that question as well and three weeks ago god through his voice spoke to that woman and in doing so gave her the answer as well different time periods different people different contexts different cultures different languages different meanings even but the same message the same message The problem 2,000 years ago is the same problem we see 500 years ago in the time of what we call the Reformation, which is the same problem that we had just three weeks ago. (laughs) It's the same problem we have today, and it will be the same problem we have tomorrow. We live in a culture that is absolutely doing everything it can to change and reshape what is in here. Just last night, president, former president of our district, Ken Hennings, told me, he said he had someone come up to him from a different faith and and say to him, I said, he said, she said, well, so you guys are very traditional in how you understand the Bible is because you won't allow certain things. You think certain things are still sins. Don't you accept the fact the culture is changing and thus the word should be changed too? And his response was, well, it's God's word, and God doesn't change. And he said to me, he said, she looked at me and said, that's a pretty good answer. <laughs> I said, because it's the right one. <laughs> it's, it's the right one. You see, cultures change. And they want everybody in that culture to change with them. And how cultures generally change is they become less and less moral more and more immoral, more tolerant and accepting of what God calls evil. It's as simple as that. and Not even picking and choosing certain sins or whatever. It's just the way it is. It's a fact of our human nature. And what happens is when cultures do that and churches respond by compromising, it causes Christians to have doubts. Well, maybe I'm not right. Maybe I should go along with the culture, what the culture is saying, and maybe conform God's word to that. And so the doubts start to set in, and and then when that happens, when you have doubts about this being the authoritative word of God, you start questioning the authority of what he means when he says, Jesus died for your sins, and he rose from the grave to give you eternal life. And it's his work and not yours that counts. You're saved by grace alone. And when you start to have doubts about that, you move further and further away from the certainty of your salvation. And that's the last thing that God wants to have happen to any of you, to me, to anyone. 2,000 years ago, every one of these churches in revolution in Revelation, with the persecution that they faced, they were having doubts raised. They were saying, God, where are you? This is pretty tough stuff we're going through. All right? And, and, so, and so they were questioning this. And this is why, why, why Jesus is speaking to them personally. Because what's happening is society is starting to rip their hearts out. It's trying to steal their hope in Jesus. Their hope of, of salvation. On the promises that he had for them. 500 years ago in the time of the Reformation, similar thing. I mean, God's word was was twisted and turned around, not only by society, but by the church leaders themselves to benefit them rather than the people. The common people couldn't even read the Bible. It wasn't written in their language. They had to believe what they were told. And their hope of salvation was getting ripped out of their hearts. That's why in this day, once a year, our church body celebrates the most critical victory in the history of the Christian church. When God raised up a human being, a man by the name of Martin Luther, who had enough. And he was intimately familiar with the teachings of the church. But he was also intimately familiar with who he was as a sinner, And how much he needed what God said in here to be true. And so on October 31st, 1517, he nailed to the doors of the main church in Wittenberg, Germany, what are called the 95 Theses. Those are 95 doctrinal truths with this as their primary message. How you live your life does not make you right with God. How you live your life does not make you right with God. How you live your life is your offering of thanks to God. It's the way we say thank you, God. While the people loved what they were hearing from Luther because they were finally hearing that God loved them, loved them enough to do everything for them, the church didn't love it so much because it took away their control, the control over the hearts and the hands and the minds and the pocketbooks of the people. So the Pope excommunicated Luther, condemned him to hell, basically, because that's what that means emperor charles v declared him an outlaw wanted dead or alive how would you like that but because god was on luther's side he had friends who kidnapped him stole him away brought him to a castle hid him out for two years and what did he do during that time just lick his wounds no he translated the new testament from Greek into German so the German people could understand finally for the first time what God was saying to them, and they could read it for themselves. (laughs) Martin Luther was a man of uncompromising conviction when it came to God's Word. In the face of the most powerful religious and political leaders in the world, in the face of death itself and the threat of eternal damnation, he would not back down. He would not back down from his belief That God says in here we are clearly saved by his grace alone. Unless they could prove differently. And they didn't because they couldn't. They couldn't show him in the Bible where he was wrong. Romans 3.21 was a key verse for the shaping of the heart and the mind of Martin Luther. But now a righteousness from God that's apart from the law, a righteousness apart from the law, a being made right with God apart from you doing something to get right with God. That's what that means there. It has now been made known. that This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And in the face of the most powerful Leaders in the world, Luther held high the word of God and said, here I stand. I can do no other. Show me in here where I'm wrong. Luther had read the words that we've been reading and studying these past eight weeks now that were written to the people of Revelation, to the churches. She saw how the world and, and Satan were trying to steal the hope away. Rip it out of the hearts of the people. Luther had experienced that in the 16th century church, how it was trying to steal the hope of salvation in Jesus from himself. Rip it out of his hearts and the hearts of the people then. And Luther knew that in the time to come, and even today, that as sinful human beings, we would always be susceptible. to, to, To all kinds of deception, those who try to deceive us into thinking that our worthiness for salvation is based on what we do, on our works, and not the work of Jesus Christ on that cross. He knew that. And God's message throughout history and throughout his biblical writings is clear. We can't all be Martin Luther's. We can't even all be Martin's. (laughs) Right. <laughs> Stephen made me do that <laughs> but here's the deal when the world starts tearing you down when, when someone tries to cast doubt on your worthiness when someone says that what Jesus did on that cross to not pay for all your sins. When, when, when someone tries to tell you that God does not love you just the way you are. When someone tries to steal your hope, the certainty of your salvation by saying you're not good enough. And when you hear a voice from a doctor or a surgeon or when you hear the voice of God himself as clear as a bell saying that you have only so much time left and you're wondering what that means, you should do with that time. Listen clearly and only to the voice of God in here and to his promises when he says, Trust me, I've done it all for you. I am with you always, and I will get you through. You let God take you by your hand because that's when you can take a stand in jesus name amen